Hello, this is Opera Unbound, a podcast that breaks the barriers between opera singers and the audience. We will cover the process, challenges, stereotypes, and inspirations associated with opera. If you like the content that we're putting out and you'd love to see more, make sure you subscribe to our channel as well as share it with all your friends. Alrighty, so character development in libretti, which for those of you who aren't familiar with Italian, libretti is plural for libretto, and the libretto is essentially the script, or the lyrics, or however you want to look at it in uh, non-operatic terms, okay? So as we talked about a little bit in the first episode about adapting works, one of the big questions that you have to ask yourself is what do you want to say with this show or what is the story really about? Okay. How can you look at the macro of a piece and say, this is really a story about, I don't know, put it into a phrase that's about three to five words, we'll say. And then you can figure out the micro from there. Now, of course, there's different interpretations depending on what the director or the librettist wants to do. But for example, if we take The Marriage of Figaro, this is a story really about the power of love. The Countess forgives the Count of his terrible things. You know, the Count is a terrible human being, really taking advantage of a situation, but yet the Countess still forgives him when she catches him trying to sleep with Susanna. So. Yeah, you just got to figure out what you want to say and what what it's really about. And then you can branch out from there. Now, once you figure that out, you have to say, okay, well, what characters do I want to have in it? And in opera, we have two terms, basically. Um, there's principal characters and compromadio characters. So principal, as you might guess, is the, the main characters, or the leading characters. And then the compromadio uh, or compromati <laughs> are the, uh, the, the supporting characters. Okay. How many of those am I going to have? What are they going to do? Okay. And then you can work on your plot line in the basic frame of it, right? Again, going from macro to micro. Okay. What is the journey we want the main characters first to go through from point A to point B, the beginning to the end, and then how do we get them through that journey in a way that relates to people and that is engaging, and then you go from there. Okay. Now, when it comes to every character as a writer, you have to think about certain questions, and it's not like you have to do all of these questions, but you need to think about these, and honestly, this is something you can do as a singer to help you understand um, how to portray your character prior to going to rehearsal, because obviously a director is going to likely have a slant that they want a character to play or downplay, depending on what you end up coming to them with. But uh, yeah, you need to come in with information that you've thought out. Actually, a really great uh, a really great tool and exercise that a teacher in college gave me, he gave me this, we had to do this assignment, we had to pick any character in opera that we connected with and knew a lot about. And then it was like, where was this person born? And of course, this is all made up usually, you know, because a lot of the characters in most shows are not real. They're all made up, right? They're not a historical figure, for example, but you could use a historical figure, of course. You say like, where are they born? What was their upbringing like? 
What are the things that they like that they don't like? What what are some of their challenges? What drives them? What's their general demeanor? Um, you could even, once you get a lot of that information, to bring it to a place where it's more relatable to you, you could say, who are these people really like in my own life? Or if you can't find somebody there, you say, who are they like on TV, in uh, movies? If I was doing Don Giovanni, for example, Don Giovanni is basically Barney from How I Met Your Mother. Like, that's a lot easier to go with. I mean, now Giovanni, of course, has the power of a nobleman, but everything else that Barney is, Giovanni relates to a lot. Okay. So you just got to find those different things. And then you put that, you put all those things together, you figure out the story that you want to tell, and then you start putting down plot line moments, and then you branch those out. As you can see from the theme here, it's going macro to micro. Okay. And one of the really cool things you can do as you write and edit and all that stuff, and it's really effective in opera, is you can have these themes that keep coming back, right? There is a thing in opera, I, it definitely started in classical music, but we also have it in musical theater and even in pop music too, if you really think about some things. And these are called leitmotifs, Okay. Uh, and what these are, are these musical ideas that keep coming back, right, to remind you of things. These are really powerful composition, music compositional tools to help an audience member feel something specific that the composer wants them to feel. I'm going to eventually talk about the Epstein Rigoletto, but this leitmotif idea is really, really apparent in that show, okay? There's this thing that Rigoletto sings and this not only musically, but there's also this theme around him being a cursed person. Okay. I mean, he's a hunchback. He's a jester that nobody takes seriously. He thinks that he's basically nothing. Right. And so we hear this bum, 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 bum. So he's this old cursed guy. And at the very end of the show, he brings back not necessarily that musical thing, but he brings back the idea that he is cursed when he says the, the curse is basically what brought Gilda, spoiler alert, to die, right? Because she ends up dying in his arms. Um, and so composers and writers, for that matter, they, they use these things. Like we see them all the time, right? not only in classical music, but if you're listening to pop music and you hear them quote somebody else, like rappers do this a lot. Um, when you have mashups, it's not just that they're putting multiple songs together, but they might do a little musical thing uh, from another song and you'll be like, oh yeah, that's that. It's the same idea, right? It helps you as a, as a uh, listener to, to connect things, okay? So, how this all relates to Rigoletto and the Jeffrey Epstein story. Now, at the end of the day, my goal with the show is to talk about sex trafficking of minors. I know, it's a very, very lovely subject, but it's a travesty. And I don't even think that that word is strong enough. That of all the problems in our world, which there are many, 
even in as rich and abundant and blessed place as America is. And honestly, there's a lot of places that are doing really, really well in the world. Human sex trafficking is just atrocious and nobody talks about it on the news. You know, there was a a house that they found in Georgia, I think it was, around one of the presidential uh, uh, national conventions. And they saved a bunch of girls, got like no coverage. Like it, in the midst of a pandemic and all of the social unrest and the fighting and all of the political things, this is a story that could have been talked about and blasted all over the news. Be like, you know, here's all this terrible stuff, but here's one glimmer of hope that we are taking seriously this problem and we're trying to fix it. Hardly anything out there. That's what I want it to be about. I want it to be about a problem that needs to be in people's forefronts. You know, there's a lot of problems in our world and in the, in the United States, a lot of them, honestly, for lack of a better term, are first world problems, okay? We can complain about a lot of different things, but then we got these girls that are basically in modern day slavery. Like, I think I saw a number that it was like 98% of the people who are in human trafficking, whether or not sex is involved or not, even though we all know that the majority of it is, um, they're women and children. Okay, so this needs to be brought to light. Okay, so that's the big picture is the atrocity of that. For those of you who aren't familiar with Jeffrey Epstein, just to make it really brief, he was a sick, sick person. And I don't mean necessarily mentally sick, which who knows, maybe there was some of that too, but he was a twisted and messed up individual. He had a friend, an ex-girlfriend who was in on it with him and they would lure these girls in as young as 14 and he would make them massage him and please him, to put it family friendly, uh, and do other things. And he had various ways to do this. He had all this money and power. And when it comes to Jeffrey Epstein, he's much like the Duke. He is a person who has power, who has lots of money, who obviously is craving sexual fulfillment. And uh, he doesn't necessarily care how young they are, although he prefers young girls. That's why he lured all of these people in, in conjunction with his uh, friend, Ghislaine Maxwell. And he lured these girls in with money and he, he targeted them. He groomed them and he did all these different things. Okay, It's really no different than the Duke. Another main character, of course, is Rigoletto in this show. And in my adaptation, he's going to be a U.S. Marshal undercover trying to stop this pedophile island that um, Jeffrey Epstein had. Um, and uh, the, the twist is that he is actually, just like in the real show, the father of Gilda. Gilda is, in the original, the, the main woman in the show. I mean, there's only three named women in the show. Uh, and she's obviously the main one and the one that the Duke wants. And so there's going to be a special thing with Gilda and, the Duke, and Epstein in this. And so basically Rigoletto is trying to come and save her along with everybody else and stop this thing. Because in my version, the backstory, like I talked about, you got to have a backstory. The backstory is his wife. It was basically Gilda, Rigoletto, and his wife, Madalena, or Giovanna. I can't remember. I used one of the other characters from the show. Um, and uh, she ends up dying when Gilda is really young. 
And, you know, he was constantly away from with work and all this stuff. And eventually he's like, you know, I'm going to take Gilda on this trip. This is, you know, shortly after the death. And she was probably 10, I think, at the time uh, is what I put it as. I should probably have all my facts straight, right? Uh, And she gets kidnapped and he's spending all of his time trying to find her and he can't find her, can't find her. Finally figures out that she's on Epstein's pedophile island when she's 16 years old. And she's just been, as you might guess, been through the ringer, to put it lightly. Um, And so you got to fill in all these gaps with these storylines and the emotions and all that. And then, of course, the Compromario characters are Ghislaine Maxwell, which is uh, in the original show is Borsa. So it will be either a woman singing the the tenor line up an octave or it could be a, a man in drag. Um, or dressed as a woman, you know, that's not an uncommon thing in opera. I mean, we have pants roles for women where women play mostly boys, um, you know, teenage boys. Um, so this would just be a, the same kind of idea. And then you have Marulo and Chaprano who are all are basically, uh, Epstein's henchmen and, uh, they help things, <laughs> you know, they lure, they get the girls in, they're kind of the security detail, they're also in on some of the action. Uh, and so that's what I'm going to do with it. And I think it's going to be a really, really powerful show um, and help expose people to a subject that they don't necessarily think about that often. And honestly, who wants to think about it? I get that. But this needs to be something that's more in the conscience of people's minds because there's a lot of good that can be done there. Uh, and we're just being distracted by all these other things that I'm not saying that they're completely unimportant, but this is also extremely important. If you really care about people's lives and making sure that everybody has the best possible chance of living their life uh, as free and as happy as possible, you got to start tackling this issue. That's what I'm hoping to do with it. We'll see how it turns out, Um, but I'm really excited to start working more and more in depth and fleshing out these characters and making them interesting and the power plays and making it really dynamic and also a little bit messed up. You know, I've had multiple, uh, multiple people I've talked to are like, why do you want to do this? I mean, some people are like, Oh yeah, that's a good idea. But there's, there's definitely a, a slight bit of pushback because they think that it's like, why would you want to do this? I'm like, well, does Quentin Tarantino do messed up stuff too? I'm not saying that I'm the operatic Quentin Tarantino, but Like, we watch serial killer documentaries. We watch all kinds of messed up stuff. I don't see how this is any different than that. It's just in a medium that usually doesn't go there. And if you guys know anything about me, I love going there. (laughs) Just to poke the bear. I mean, usually through comedy. But this is the first time I've done a straight drama, no funny. And I'm really, uh, really excited for it. So that's it. That's how... That's one of the ways you can do it. I'm not saying I have all the answers, but that's the way that I do it, and I'm going to stick to it. Thanks for listening to this podcast episode. For more information about the podcast or for extras, check out our Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash opera unbound. Ciao.